Chapter eighteen of Miss Pym's Camouflage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Pym's Camouflage by Lady Dorothy Stanley. Chapter eighteen. The next morning Miss Pym was at the Chancellery before the ministers and awaited their arrival in the entrance hall. She joined a group of young naval officers, cheerful, irresponsible young fellows, who, although they cultivated the ruthless look, had not quite attained it. Dr. Michaelis, the Chancellor, entered with a small group of ministers. Miss Pym recognized him from portraits she had seen, a pale, dark man, with the look of a ferocious old woman. Von Tirpitz was easily recognizable, though his whiskers were less flowing than we depict them in caricatures. The young naval officers drew back, but Michaelis beckoned to one of them, desiring his presence at the conference. Quietly, unseen and unsuspected, Miss Pym mounted the great staircase, entering the council chamber with the evil-looking counsellors. Michaelis seated himself at the head of a long table, the others taking seats on either side of the table, according to rank and office. Miss Pym took a chair not far from the young naval officer, and leaning her arms on the table, bent forward and listened intently. Michaelis, looking round venomously, began in a rasping voice to read over the minutes of the last meeting. Then he flung down the paper and began, Gentlemen, whatever we hide from the public, we cannot hide from ourselves the extreme seriousness of the situation. Tirpitz growled something. My colleague spoke, inquired Michaelis, looking daggers. Tirpitz growled, continue. I do not hold myself responsible, said Michaelis, for the mistakes of my predecessors. All I can do is to defend, to the best of my ability, the fatherland. General von Rosenwald is here to represent the army, as General von Hindenburg is away. Well, gentlemen, army and navy and state agree that we must intensify the terrorizing of the enemy, north, south, east, and west, by land and sea and air. We must be more ruthless, more terrible. The All-Highest has said that international law no longer exists, but we go further. I declare to you most solemnly that moral law no longer exists. There shall not be any more moral law. Our annihilation is threatened by the enemy. Shall we, then, be trammelled by considerations of morality? Michaelis glared through his spectacles at the assembled councillors. Only the young naval man blushed and looked uneasy. Shall the enemy be exempt from suffering? A thousand times, no. We must increase his sufferings. We must put no restraint on ourselves, but be ruthless, absolutely ruthless. Ah, my dear Michaelis, what more would you have? said the general, twirling his moustache. We have done our best. I have summoned you here, continued the Chancellor, to inform you that it is the wish of the All-Highest that you do more. Professor von Scham has completed a new bomb, capable of spreading disease. The difficulty hitherto has been that the heat generated by the high velocity sterilized the germs that difficulty has been overcome then in the future all wells falling into the enemy's hands must be highly poisoned we did poison them near bapaume 
and fifty of our own men died in agonies said the general savagely well that was gross carelessness on the part of the commanding officers it is not suggested that our own men be poisoned are we going to be squeamish in the fourth year of the war the needs of national defence must alone decide what it is expedient to do we must draw up orders to be sent to the governor of belgium directing that every able-bodied man and woman is to be sent to germany the broken ones we shovel back to manure the soil it may be objected what about the belgian infants and children well gentlemen i take it that none of you are particularly anxious to protect that accursed breed let them die we have no use for them the belgian girls and young women must be sorted out and served out to good germans then they can return to belgium and we shall have a proper germanic race the same must be done in conquered french territory shall such people be spared the horrors of war a very wholesome decision has been made that any civilian shot as warning to the community shall not be buried the corpse lying there as a useful reminder of the fate awaiting traitors all these things can be done in belgium france and poland without any danger to ourselves you understand gentlemen that i should be loath to expose good germans to danger but these measures can be taken without risk as the people are in our power utterly helpless no reprisals therefore are to be feared not so with those accursed british though we can do a great deal to the british prisoners i have ordered that they have even less food and less exercise what we want however is to bring war home to the english zeppelins alas have not been successful those vile brutes of british actually attack our beautiful airships and bring them down in flames amid cheers as though it were sport but we must send more aeroplanes and still more terrible bombs in order to awaken terror in the british oh thrice blessed would be the german who could terrify those people we had hoped to put them to the sword to germanize them that alas seems an impossible dream still we cannot we must not give up killing english people every dead woman and child in england is a gain to germany this is not inhumanity it is a necessary military principle we must recognize the fact that every day our soldiers are being mown down by british and french guns and that we are not getting our share of british and french killed and wounded this is serious we must make up the number by attacking english towns and sinking english ships the smallest fishing-boat carrying englishmen must be sunk without trace and no lives saved the naval officer near miss pym leant forward and in a deep voice said the british save our men they can afford to do so retorted michaelis savagely our men are being killed in france by thousands the english can afford to appear magnanimous a nation of hypocrites like the english would not fail to assume virtuous airs they think it pays it does pay i repeat they can afford to save a few german sailors we cannot afford to do so and it is for this reason i have asked you to meet me to-day we must make up by frightfulness for our stupendous losses 
once we succeed in terrifying the british the end is in sight peace efforts of course must continue we have some good friends in england even in the british house of commons brave men who have dared to call us friends in public truly they shall be rewarded after the war the all highest is designing a special medal for them we are not ungrateful then there are newspapers in england zealously working for us they too will find favour with the all highest skunks muttered the naval officer captain longbrecht seems to disapprove i think it is a positive misfortune he was educated in england he seems to have lost much of his german virility he is over nice in his ideas of war von tirpitz looked at him and laughed oh longbrecht is all right give him a hundred submarines and he will give a good account of himself he is a fighter michaelis looked sourly at von tirpitz i don't expect to hear that you are opposed to ruthlessness oh dear no england would have been starving by now if my advice had been taken in time but chancellors have a way of interfering now it is too late america has come in and all the odds are against us and you know it michaelis and tirpitz pulled his whiskers and grinned i recognize the difficulty but not the impossibility continued michaelis we must increase the output of submarines longbrecht has brought us the design of a very improved submarine a very wonderful submarine is it not dangerous to carry it like that in the pocket said one of the ministers i do not carry it in my pocket said longbrecht smiling as he unfastened his tunic and groped inside his vest for a flat case made of oiled silk from this he took a plan drawn on linen which he handed up to the chancellor michaelis put his hand down on it and for the first time a lurid kind of smile played about his lips you have something else there longbrecht the young man hesitated and thrust back the case in his pocket you have another paper in that case which i insist on seeing longbrecht looked round and said in a low voice i have only a private paper here that paper repeated michaelis i insist on having that private paper longbrecht shrugged his shoulders and let the slip go michaelis glanced at it what have we here a long list of places dear me this seems interesting it is a list of places where i refill my submarines with oil the first column is a list of depots on the coast of ireland some are caches some are depots provisioned by friends there the next list is for depots in spain then greece though many there have gone no doubt it is a very important list to me sir i should be glad if you would return it to me i am uneasy without it michaelis looked banteringly at him captain longbrecht has no reason to mistrust any one here has he this was said with a sneer miss pym rose noiselessly and stole behind michaelis chair the submarine plan lay before him and he held the list between his finger and thumb longbrecht looked down at the little silken case in his hand the submarine design you ordered me to bring here to-day but that list of submarine oil depots is my own private property he said nothing useful to the state belongs to the individual other submarine commanders should have copies how else can we hope to destroy england asked michaelis 
and dropping the list on to the plan, he folded his arms and glared at Longbrecht. In one breathless instant Miss Pym leant forward and snatched up both the submarine design and the list of submarine bases. I have called you here, gentlemen, continued Michaelis, because without doubt the situation is very grave. I will not ask you to take my word alone. Major von der Hagen will, I think, open your eyes to the terrible military situation. Admiral von Kuster hoped to be here, but he is detained at Kiel. Dr. Zolf has, however, heard from him, and he will tell you how hopeless it is for our battleships to attempt engaging the enemy. Dr. Zahn will tell you the views of the Foreign Office. I am right, doctor, in saying that a separate Russian peace is hopeless? Dr. Zahn nodded. All our emissaries are discouraged. What remains, gentlemen? Frightfulness and submarines. We must at once build these new submarines which will give us an immense advantage over our enemies. These plans, Michaelis looked down. The plan had disappeared, and the list. He turned a dusky red. Tell Captain Longbrecht to return those papers at once. The captain stood up. Sir, I passed them to you as you desired. You have them. Michaelis lifted the blotting paper, searched amid some papers, stooped and looked under the table. When he rose, he was extremely pale. These papers seem to have disappeared. I, I don't understand. They were here, and now... Miss Pym opened the door, and turning to the assembled men, she said in English, and now they are in English hands. Gentlemen, you are done for. The game is up. The sooner you surrender, unconditionally, the better. And she slammed the door, turning the key. She was down the stairs and out of the building before the attendants realized that something unusual was going on. In slow, stolid German style, they gathered outside the door and looked at each other. Something is going on here, they said, listening to the banging of fists on the door and the ceaseless ringing of electric bells. Deliberately, they tried the door. It is locked, said one, and here is the key. I found it on the stairs, said another. The released ministers burst out, exclaiming, Did you see a woman? Did anyone see a woman? For it was a woman's voice. Oh, she has certainly escaped by now. The police must find her. The stations must be guarded. Every house in Berlin must be searched. But no one has seen this woman. No description of her could be given. It was not even certain that the unknown, unseen thing was a woman. The voice might well have been assumed consternation reigned at the chancellery. End of chapter 18